Welcome to a priority Q&A episode of the Bumblecast. I'm your host, Ian Flynn, the Bumble King, and joining me as always is my priority co-host, Kyle JCRB Krause. Woo! It's 4-4, four, four, buddy. 4-4. Four, 4-4. Four. Four, four. You know what that means. Uh, it's April 4th. Yeah. Nice. I got it in one. Yes. I'm so <laughs> smart. I'm so smart. Yay. <laughs> How's it going, dude? Uh, it's busy, 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 busy over here. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I took on a project that um, is an interesting challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's localization. I don't know how much I can say right now, but it, it's it's a localization project for a romance, what do you call it? The Japanese called the otome, the visual novel type of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, not really my bag, not my type of game, but you know, there's an audience for it. So do my best, you know, learning experience and I'm going through it. I'm going through it and I'm like, okay, just keep it, keep it professional. Just learn their system, get the text on the screen. And like halfway through, I'm like, don't you do it. Don't you break her heart. You turn around, mister. (laughs) Oh no. No, no, I'm, I'm totally not into this type of game, but why would you say that to him? You know it's wrong. Go after him. Go after him. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I'm I, kind of invested in it now. Hey, man, and, you know what? Sometimes a good story is a good story. <laughs> you know? Or at least, it, at least a story that draws you in. Like, I don't know, man. Sometimes you just... Sometimes you just get into something. You don't mean to, but here you are. <laughs> but uh, I guess toss another hashtag knowing smile on the pile and I'll update BumbleKing.com when that becomes public. <laughs> and you can play for yourself and wonder at which point it broke my heart. <laughs> Some people are getting a little uh, a, a little angry about the knowing smile thing now, apparently. <laughs> Some people are like, you're just, they feel like you're, you're really just teasing them. Like, I mean, in a, like, I guess in a mean way, but. I don't mean it antagonistically. I didn't think just, so, but I think some I'm people are kind of taking it that way. I, I'm terrible at keeping secrets, so I have to vent right. somehow. So, you know, hashtag knowing smile. Right. You know, that lets you know that there's something and I get the, you know small release of I'm saying I'm doing something and I don't get in trouble. And if you're like, what do you mean, Flynn? I, I do apologize. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen some people, I've seen some folks out there getting a little, a little, uh, annoyed about it. I get it. I totally get it. I, do, I, I'm, I do. Ian, I'm, I'm sure if Ian could tell us he would, but uh, he can't. So we're just gonna, we're just all gonna have to wait. I mean, what's even worse is the stuff that I don't even knowing smile about because I know that I'm not going to be able to talk about it within like ever, maybe. So it's like, why invent it? Because that that's mean. That's not that's never going to have closure. So that one, I just got to grin and bear it. Hashtag strained grin. Yes. All righty. Well, without further ado, I think it's time we go ahead and open up the floor to some questions. Are you ready, Ian? As ready as I'll ever be. Are you ready? Because we're we're doing this three times a week now. By the way, folks, we are moving on. To, we're moving to a uh, more expanded schedule. So you see you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday now for Q and A goodness. So look forward to that. But for now, let's go ahead and answer some of these priority questions. Starting off with mine. <laughs> oh, come on. Now. <laughs> What? Ah, what? I, I get the ultimate priority. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're kind of the show's producers. So I make I make the list. So, <laughs> ah, all right, Ian. Ah, why do you deliberately withhold information and refuse to give so many questions a satisfying answer? Why can't you just come out and tell the fandom all the information they so desperately crave? Okay, you know what? Fair question. That that's fair. Really, I um, I, I, yeah. I was being like I I, I I mean my tone on that one wasn't even like I wasn't even like trying to be like you know anything but confrontational with it. So <laughs> what the heck, man? 
Ha ha! I zigged when you thought I would zag, but no, oh. it's it's a fair question because okay. you know okay. why not? Um, and it's multi-tiered. Uh, the most obvious and easiest one to discuss are NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. Yes. And those are contractual agreements where I am not allowed to talk about those hashtag knowing smiles at all. Um, under penalty of never getting to work again or being sued. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah legal action. There, yeah. Yeah. Trouble, like real trouble. So I don't want to do that, obviously. Um, number two is a more general uh, don't bite the hand that feeds type of thing. If I were to be known within the industries as that guy who blabs all the insider stuff, then nobody's going to want to hire me because they know that I am a leak. They would know that I am a potential hazard for their PR department or for their uh, marketing team or whatever. So sometimes I just got to be mum on the subject because there's a lot of moving gears and some stuff you, know, you just can't really talk about because that's just the way that the system is built up, which leads into the third one. And this is the stickiest one. And this is the one I hate is politics. Yeah, uh, there are lots of internal politics in any office setting. And uh, some clients I've worked with are more conscientious than others, shall we say? And whether or not they get angry over something that is legitimately an issue or decide to blow up over something that should be trivial still reflects back on me and still kind of permeates around. It's like, oh, you know, no, you don't want to hire this guy because he totally blabbed about this. And I'm freelance, baby. I, I I can hashtag knowing a smile all I want. But once the project is done, that's it. Yeah. That there's zero job security here. So I have to be mindful of what I say. And I walk a tightrope with this show every single time, not just with you know insider info, but on public relations, because, you know, I you guys listening right now are also a hand that feeds that I must not bite. If Ian Flynn is known for his toxic podcast where he tears people apart, you don't <laughs> want that guy associated with your project. So mm -hmm. I try to be as positive and understanding and accepting and <laughs> limboing as much as I can just, you know, to ensure my own future prospects. And that's a lot to take into account in addition to the actual real work that I got to do. So that kind of comes back to what we were saying earlier. You know, the hashtag knowing smile thing, that's my way to vent because I am under constant pressure to not say stuff, but I want to tell you guys stuff. And I'm excited about the stuff that I'm working on. So, you know, throw out that hashtag. That's a little bit of deflation on my end. And you guys know that something's coming along that you might like. And that's the best happy medium that I can get. Yeah. Now, when I turn 80 and I'm, you know, I have nothing to fear and I can burn all my bridges. Sure. I'll tell everything. I'll you know, <laughs> let all the cats out of the bag. But Time we're still tell, the tell all Ian Flynn book. <laughs> I'm ready. Because anyone who still cares. <laughs> oh, don't worry. There, there will still it. be people here. I'm sure. Don't worry. There I'm will sure. still be there will still be people who love your work and hate your work who are interested enough to read that book <laughs> and point out all the flaws. <laughs> and so you may be saying, okay, well, if it's that big of a issue, if it's that much of a stressor, why are you doing this? Right. And it. It's again, multi-layered, but it's because I want to give as much insight as I can, because there's, there is very little out there. Yes. And I think that's part of why this show has had such longevity and has gotten so much attention over the years is because you don't get a lot of these outlets. So that's also another reason why I need to walk that tightrope because I'm kind of, I'm not setting a standard. I don't have that big of an ego, but I, I'm setting at least a little bit of a bar 
for others to follow so that, you know, you don't want to give too much, but you can't give too little because then it's just frustrating. Uh, uh, I don't want to be the bad example. Type so of you thing. admit you have an ego. <laughs> but yeah, it goes along with the id and the super ego. But, right, uh, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and because of all our incredibly generous and wonderful patrons, this show has actually become something that we can kind of rely on, rely on month to month. And with that freelance thing, that little bit of reliability goes a long way. Absolutely, yes. It's kind of, it's amazing. The growth has been slow, but it has been steady and very, very much appreciated. I mean, you guys are the reason why I could go to the grocery store and not have to really think too hard about what I'm buying. So everyone who supports the show, whether it's actually a patron or a sponsor or you don't turn off your ad blocker or you just, you know, watch the whole video, whatever. Thank you very much because you support us way more than, you know, and it is greatly appreciated. Yes. Yes. And even though I called you a growth, you are not a tumor. Don't worry. (laughs) You're not a tumor. No, we love you. Yes. Thanks for that one chat. (laughs) Thank you. Making me sound worse than I really am. I do enough of that on my own. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, short short answer uh-huh. is the reason why I don't tell everyone everything all the time is because I can't, whether it's legally or politically. And it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you're tired of it, just imagine how Ian feels. <laughs> uh, we're all tired. We're so, so tired. That's why I laugh, to hold back the tears. <laughs> it's neurologically the same thing. So I know. So we'll be positive about it. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's get into the real Q&A. None of my garbage. Ugh. <laughs> Here's this one from Pedanticat. Let's say the main boom cast, Team Sonic, Eggman, Orbot, and Cubot, all watch the Sonic movie. What do they all think of the movie? How do Boom, Eggman, and Sonic feel about their depictions in the film? Is Crazy Carl Sticks' favorite character from the movie? And with how much of a sap Boom Eggman is, would he actually be tearing up when it seems like Sonic is dead in the movie? <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert for a movie that came out two years ago. This is, this um, is not spoilers for the new movie, by the way. We've, we Neither of us have seen it. and the, Yeah, this all happened in the first movie. So if you haven't watched it yet, then I, I'm sorry. Uh, I imagine that they're largely entertained just by the notion that there's a Sonic movie. Sonic's loving it. (laughs) It's a movie about him. Um, He's kind of confused about the origin story because that's not how he remembers it happening. But eh, it's Hollywood, whatever. (laughs) Tails is a little bit out of shape that he doesn't show up, doesn't show up, doesn't show up. Come on, it's a Sonic movie. He's always a Sonic movie. Doesn't show up. Where is he? Where is he? And then you get the after credits scene. He's like, ha, I knew it. And Knuckles is sitting there very happily expecting his debut. And then the after credits scene plays and he's waiting for the other after credits scene play. And everyone's left the theater and he's still waiting for it to play. And then the movie starts up again. So he's sitting and he's going to watch it through because maybe he missed it last time. Uh, Amy's entertained by it. She thought she thinks it's a nice little family movie. Sticks feels personally assaulted by crazy Carl. Nobody acts like that. Nobody's that paranoid. Come on. (laughs) Uh, Eggman absolutely gets all teary eyed when Sonic looks like he's been blasted. And then Orbot and Cubot just kind of nudge him as he's sniffling. And then he starts cackling. Yeah, I got him. Totally got him. (laughs) Yeah, go me. (laughs) He's going to be all right, right? Yes, boss. He'll be fine. (laughs) I love the boom incarnation of Eggman. You know what? I, 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 I also do love monstrous evil absolutely takes no prisoners Eggman except he takes a lot of prisoners but you know but there's just something like kind of wholesome about (laughs) boom Eggman (laughs) it just makes him makes him such a nice uh, it's such a nice character a good departure of the of how he's normally portrayed so I I appreciate that (laughs) all right let's move on to the next question here from Dove Ian, would you be allowed to write and post your own fanfic stories? Like if you wanted to write a diamond cutter story before Mimic's turn, would you be able to? Or does your position prevent doing anything based in the world of Sonic, even on the side? After that, 
if nothing would stop you, what would it take to get a Diamond Cutter's prequel story? I want more. Talk to Dave Filioni. Clone War style Diamond Cutter series. Ahoy. <laughs> um, this kind of goes back to what we talked with. The first question is, I don't think I'm legally bound from doing fanfic, but it wouldn't necessarily reflect well. Um, and maybe that's me being a little paranoid, but because I've spent over 15 years with this franchise, it would, it, I can see people getting confused over the legitimacy of anything I did with Sonic. Yeah. But at the same time, you do have other folks who are also, who work on their own Sonic stuff on the side, like Evan with her own comic and stuff. Yeah, and so. more power to her. And if she's comfortable doing that, you know, absolutely. I'm happy for her. I wish her all the success. And I know some of the voice actors have been on tap to do uh, some fan projects here and there. I don't know what their arrangement is. I don't know if they had to get permission or whatever, but I know it's happened. And that's all cool. I'm super happy for those projects to happen. Oh, yeah. But I'm maybe it's just from previous experience but i am personally kind of antsy about it and there's also the risk of i don't want to come up with a cool idea in a fanfic and then not be able to recycle it into the main book because you've already read it if it's a fanfic <laughs> and then there's the matter of i don't have time right there is no time to write it so <laughs> maybe one day down the road when i am finally dragged kicking and screaming off this franchise I will partake again, but for now, I think it's just simpler to not do so. Uh, if you do want to see specific stuff like a diamond cutters prequel, I don't know if there's a market for it, but Hey, tell IDW right in and say, I want to see more diamond cutters and uh, maybe it'll happen for pity's sake. We got tangle and whisper, get a mini series right out the gate just from fan demand. So Nothing is potentially off the table. You know, just vote with your wallet. Write them in. Say, I want to see more of this. Shut up. Take my money. That kind of thing. Right. <laughs> exactly. Here's one from Sonic, Sonic, Sonic. Hey, you mentioned in a previous Bumblecast that Blaze's world is behind Sonic's in technology, but the state of technologies is inconsistent in Sonic's world. The Grand Metropolis from Sonic Heroes and the cities in Sonic Raiders are futuristic, while a lot of other cities seem to have technology that is much closer than our own. Uh, what's with this inconsistency? Is there an official explanation from Sega? No. You are absolutely right. Yes. But no. No. Um, the only thing, the only direct note I've got is specifically that Blaze's world is somewhat technologically behind Sonic's world. And in that regard, I guess you kind of have to take it as a collective median of level of tech. Well, and here's the thing too, in the real world, it's not a universal. No, not every, not every population has the same level of technology necessarily across the entire world. So it's, I, I, it makes some sense why it's not quite as consistent in Sonic's world, but it is weird. <laughs> there is some, there is definitely some weirdness about it. Even, even considering that I agree. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's strange. Guess that's why they invented head cannons, so you can shoot all your problems with your face. I mean, in the face. That's telekinesis, Kyle. Oh, mind bullets. Oh darn. Well, I'm still gonna get a head cannon anyway, so you better watch out. Comment in the video below if you got the reference. <laughs> I didn't. In case it wasn't clear. I did not get any reference. Mind bullets. I might know that. I don't remember. My brain is shot, dude. I got it replaced with a head cannon. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question from Noni. What do you imagine a date between Starline and Sonic would be like? Does Starline even like chili dogs? Also, shout out to Scurvy Pirate Hogs, who, who I straight up stole this from. Well, <laughs> I'm glad Scurvy got, got credited for it. Uh, I can't even imagine a scenario where this would happen, but... <laughs> Well, you know, there's the alternate universe where Eggman actually almost kind of loves Sonic. So, I you know, guess. you know, know. boom, it's Maybe. boom Starline. 
Maybe Sonic's desperately trying to get out of a commitment with Amy, so he just swipes right on the first thing he sees. He's not even looking at his phone. Oh, I'm sorry, I got a date with... Uh, oh, crap. <laughs> no. And Starline sees the match and goes, Are you serious? Well, this will be interesting. Swipe right. They're both They're both looking for... I like how they're both looking for both men and women. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's how Sonic lives, fast and loose. Whoa! But, uh, hey! I imagine the whole this is after dark now, be... buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine the whole meetup would go very poorly. Well, of course, because, you know, Starline is a man of refinement and taste and punctuality, and Sonic's not. <laughs> so. Like, even if it was just, like, a simple coffee meetup, it would go very poorly very fast. <laughs> yes. Of course it would. That's the point. That's how you get the slapstick and the jokes and the funnies. That's what happens, man. It's perfect. Ah. Uh. <laughs> we got one here from The Key. What's up, Ian? Is there much difference between pre-Genesis Wave Sonic and post-Genesis Wave Sonic? Like, physically or mentally? I I think you can make the argument, yes. Uh, Pre-Genesis had a lot more emotional baggage. <laughs> um, arguably more character growth, because he, you know, starts off as the Satam incarnation and progressed to something closer to modern Sonic. Yeah, but he also Where, went through a lot of character regression at certain points. Yeah, 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 so. yeah well... Uh, whereas post Genesis Wave Sonic is as close to modern as made sense at the time. Um, in terms of physicality, you know, pre Genesis Wave had all that weird malarkey with the super emerald mutation and the time waves and vibrating molecules and such. And modern post reboot Sonic is concurrent with modern Sonic in terms of abilities. Still kind of broken in terms of power level, but not quite Silver Age comics level of broken. <laughs> Literally Silver Age comics level. Uh, yes, we did we did postmodern impressionist Sonic, yes. That's totally <laughs> that's totally what you were almost getting at. I knew it. I knew it. Here's a question from Invade Turbo Tunis. How dangerous are Surgeon Kit? Are we talking injuries to live another day or they'll leave you in a body bag? Oh, God, I should stay away from these two types of power level. Uh, read Imposter Syndrome number four and Sonic number 50. Then come back to me and ask. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is a hashtag knowing smile moment. Indeed, indeed. And for both of us. <laughs> uh, Joey the Sonic fan has a question. Ian Flynn, what would Rough and Tumble do on Valentine's Day? I assume they would look for pretty girls, flirt with them in a rude, obnoxious way, get rejected over and over, and blame it on bad luck and say whatever, their loss. What do you think? I think you're on the mark up until the whatever, their loss. Because that's not the end. After yeah. they've spent most of the day being rejected, they decide to ruin it for everyone else. Oh, well, yeah. So, outdoor cafes, stink bombered. <laughs> Any kind of delivery van full of flowers, it's getting upended. Romantic walks in the park. No, sorry, you're getting thrown off the bridge into the river of the park. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> just just a freaking, like, absolute uh, insanity. Just complete conquest of, for, from them over everybody else. I mean, they you can't... broke their hearts. They really did crumble. So your day's going to be ruined by rough and tumble. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now I feel kind of bad for him. <laughs> only a little, though. It only goes so far. Yeah, yeah. Here's one from the cartoonist. Hey, Ian and Kyle. Sorry for the first depressing question. Uh, I don't actually remember what one that was, but that, that's we've okay. answered a lot of questions. We've had, yeah, we've had a lot. Yeah, we've, we've there's been a lot of questions that have come across our board. Some of them more depressing than others. It's okay. You can ask us whatever you want. Don't matter. <laughs> Just wondering, have you two ever enjoyed Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? And does British humor translate to America all that well, in your opinion? Like Monty Python and stuff like that. Uh, to answer the last one first, humor is, subje is subjective. Oh, of course. So, you know, what is traditionally considered British humor is going to land better for some people than others. Um, 
I find it to be mostly on my wavelength. Not so much like the gross out body horror humor mm-hmm. stuff that tends to, t- tends to turn up, but the the dry antagonistic humor mm-hmm. and the surrealist stuff. Like yeah, the Ministry of Silly Walks is stupid, <laughs> but that's but the it's point. Funny. And yes, yeah, and that's the point. <laughs> The point of Monty Python, mostly in general, is that it's stupid. I mean, but it's funny. <laughs> some of the stuff, you know, in the Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you know, is initially funny, and then the older I got, other gags became more funny. Right. Um, like the whole bit about the uh, historical narrator that they, they cut to randomly, who's talking about you know King Arthur's campaign, and the knight just rolls up out of nowhere and shivs him. And then there's this kind of small, the slow boil subplot of the police investigating as a real homicide. <laughs> and then the final assault on the French is interrupted because the police come and arrest King Arthur wrongly. That's funny, man. That is funny. <laughs> I mean, on paper, a dude gets murked and you know, it doesn't even fit with the continuity of the film. No, that doesn't make any sense. But I don't know, man. That's funny. That's yeah, a funny film. It doesn't matter. I quote it entirely too much. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it doesn't make any sense. That's that's part of the joke. <laughs> uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is great, um, but unfortunately, I'm only familiar with like really the first book, and that's mainly mostly because of the movie, the recent movie. Um, but I did enjoy the recent movie. It was uh, it was pretty entertaining. I'm sure the book is the books are way better. Um, so. Uh, I also am fairly familiar with the uh, text adventure game, so and that's a that's a good time too. So I like it. You always got to have a towel though. <laughs> have a towel on hand. I tried to get into it, but I don't know. Maybe I approached it too young or something. It just it didn't jive with me. It's maybe a bit. It, it sometimes gets a bit out there and esoteric, but. It it definitely has some weird quirks to it that I don't know translate as well, but it's still funny. I feel like it's more of a shortcoming on my part than mm. the works part. Mm-hmm. I think overall that British British humor is pretty well received in the U.S. Generally, overall, so yeah. I mean, it's subjective, of course, but you know, we definitely have a lot of love here for stuff like Monty Python. Um, personally, I really enjoyed a little bit of Fry and Lori. <laughs> that was a, that is a very, very entertaining show. It's just Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie doing skits and bits. Kind of in the vein of Monty Python, but, you know, more in their style. And it's, it's, it's very funny. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I'm just remembering the, uh, the skit where Hugh Laurie is like basically being a presenter on top gear <laughs> but you know he's he's like getting more and more outrageous talking about this bland normal family car <laughs> 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 so that's a that's a fun time for me all right let's move on to this question here from quaggle gaggle kyle what do no, you it's th- broken up into two pieces yeah. so i guess i should take this first part. yeah okay all right so kyle Mm-hmm. What do you think the hardest Sonic game would be to adapt to the comics? Hmm. Hmm. I thought about this one for a total of maybe 30 seconds. And I got it. Sega Sonic Popcorn Shop. <laughs> Found it. I, try, I I almost thought about doing Waka Waka Patrol Car, but no, that that's that's too easy. You gotta we need Sega Sonic Popcorn Shop. How would you, how would you, what, what would you do? What would you do? How would you pitch that, Ian? What's your pitch for telling the story of that game? I thought you liked the challenge. I do, I do. And that is the second half of Quaggle Gaggle's question here. Yes. Um, that's a free comic book day issue story right there. Oh, yeah. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. And you know, Sonic is entering the popcorn shop with Tails, and he doesn't know why he's in this popcorn shop. He's just known that he's needed. And he is told that he must help make the popcorn, and he's not really interested until he learns that Eggman wants to stop him, and then he's just going to do it out of spite. (laughs) And then you go through just a kind of transliteration of the scenes from the game itself, 
have some Looney Tune antics in there. And then uh, Sonic's got some popcorn. He and Tails just walk away happily munching on popcorn. Well, I forget how the game goes, but Eggman's like tossed into the popcorn machine at some point, right? Yeah, I think so. Is he getting incinerated with tiny kernels of corn? Sure. <laughs> that, that's a good way to end it. That that's easy. There you go. That's and then, softball. And then when they and then when they uh, leave the uh, popcorn shop, they're in Studiopolis because well, there you go. There we go. Hey, and it, it's a reference to the both the new and the old and the obscure. Hey. I'm gonna walk that. I'm gonna back, walk back that one comment because softball is not an easy game. I have seen. <laughs> What some of those ladies can do on the pitcher's mound and that'll take a kidney out. Softball's brutal, man. Yeah. You get hit with a softball, it's no joke. No softball. That ball is not soft. I don't know why they call it softball, because that ball's not soft. (sighs) Weird. It's weird. I think I meant more soft pitch, but fumbled the line. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. All right, it's T ball. I don't know. I couldn't come up with anything. You've adapted almost everything. How 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 can I do this, Ian? How can I do this? How would you adapt? Uh, I don't know. Sonic crackers. Would you? Would you just make crackers with Sonic on them? Is that what you would do? You'd branch out. We'd start making food. Sonic now? crackers isn't even. That isn't even on a playable state. It's playable. It's not easily well playable. It's not. You can't finish it, but it's playable. Yeah, it's not in a playable state. <laughs> it is not a game to be consumed. Or completed. So it would be like a subplot where they get sucked in some kind of side dimension thingy and they have to get their way out. <laughs> and they they have these rings they're attached to and they can't get them off. They, they try and get the rings off, but they can't come off. So Sonic and Tails are attached by rings, rubber bands. <sighs> anyway, Sonic Eraser. What about that one? <laughs> uh, that was the puzzle game, I think. That's, yeah, it's like Sonic but Columns. Yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> Tails is hacking into Eggman's system, and it's rendered visually as columns. Okay, Sonic Schoolhouse. <laughs> Sonic gets roped into looking after a class because he was sentenced to community service after that driving test incident in the special and so he is looking after the kids, and there's a bajillion of them, so he has to race around and make sure that they're not walking into the giant floating badnik letters that Eggman has peppered the school with. Okay. Sonic Jam on a GameCom? <laughs> did I get... Did, is this one... Did I stump you on this one? Well, I'll have to look up that one you and didn't get even, back to you. You didn't okay? even put that one in the... You didn't put the, That one wasn't even the encyc- in the Encyclopedia. For shame, sir. For shame. What even is a GamesCon? The game GameCom was game a con. handheld uh-huh. that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. A horrible, horrible device. And it was bad. And it was made by Tiger. So that's how you know it was bad. <laughs> First Google result is for games done quickly, and it's done in 15 minutes. I'll have to watch this it's, later. It, wow. All right. Someone actually went through Sonic Jam on the GameCom. It's got to be emulated. Because the original the screen on the GameCom, is, it's, it's unviewable. You think the Game Gear screen is blurry? GameCom is just new. No, it's bad. I've seen a... GDC on Tails Music Maker, okay? There there are people who will take on any challenge. Yeah, I know, but still, it's like, why? <laughs> I guess that's GDQ for you. <laughs> ah, Gamecom. I don't. I have no nostalgic memories for you. Here's a question from Jams. I'd like to know more about the birds on Sonic's planet. Would platypuses, or platypodes, I should say, be seen as bizarro creatures to characters like Bean, the Rogues, and Battle Cuckoo, or as weird cousins to their ancient alien genie ancestors? (laughs) Do all bird-like creatures on Sonic's world come from and are related to the Babylonians? 
The Cuckoo specifically seem to have strong opinions on non-avian Mobians, so I'd like to know what they think of Starline and his species. Number one, I don't think all Mobian birds would trace their lineage to the Babylonians. I hope not. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't I don't know. Um two, I don't see or I really hope they don't ever get into interspecies racism. Like it was funny in the Archie books where, you know, the birds see tails take flight. You know, that's odd in its own right. That's part of Tails' backstory is that's unique. So it was fun to play with that moment. And it also illustrates that they're, you know, fascist bad guys. But in general, I hope it never really gets explored because I don't want that in my happy, fun times fantasy world. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've already had like a couple of throwaway lines here and there that kind of make you go, eh, but I think that's just nobody thinking it through. So, no, I think in terms of Sonic's world that everyone looks at the different species and goes, yep, you're a that. Like, oh, there's a hedgehog. Oh, there's a platypus. Oh, there's a human. Oh, there's a cat. Why is the cat nine feet tall? Okay. He's big. <laughs> All right. It's just, you know, it's it's kind of like, I think of it as like a Tolkien setting where you see a human, you see a dwarf, you see an elf. They're just there. That, that's what exists in this world. And it's common and it's accepted. Yeah, but then orcs are considered outcasts and the stuff like that. So, you know. Yeah, and there's a whole lot of baggage to unpack there. But let, yeah, they're still not seen as like, well, I could be wrong, but I don't think they're seen as like distinctly otherworldly. They're just the jerks down the street. Mm, maybe. No? Okay. I mean, D&D had a lot of the same kind of tropes for mm -hmm. like orcs and stuff like that, that kind of permeated culture. So I think luckily we're kind of getting over that and kind of realizing that you can make an orc and not necessarily have it be a monstrous evil jerk mm -hmm. and be mm -hmm. mean. You don't have to do that. So yeah, it's been, it's been really, it's been really cool to see like more different types of characters that were normally even like fictionally marginalized. You know, make it make it more uh, makes it more interesting. You know, here's one from Axis. Question for Ian: What is Sega's current position on adding multiple playable characters in main modern Sonic games? Do they still want only Sonic playable, or do you think they have become more open to adding several playable characters? If they're still against the idea of multiple characters, what do you think would be the best way for fans to influence their decisions? Influence their decisions to add them. Okay, so you remember how earlier I said it would be easy to confuse what I said as official right. uh, tie-ins and stuff? So let me just say, I am not a spokesman for Sega. I am not a representative of the company or Sonic Team or anyone affiliated with the games. So it would be my opinion that you're asking for. I do not have any particular insights nor would I be in a position to divulge those insights. Mm, that tightrope's looking really thin. <clears throat> Good luck, buddy. I, be <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I do not know what the team's overall philosophy is on multiple characters. Um, and what little experience I have through Frontiers, I can't talk about NDA, so it goes. Uh, in terms of wanting to see more playable characters, I would say your best avenue is to go through the social media team. You know, your Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever they all are, you know, say, I want to see this, you know, or here is this fan game that is producing something that I want to see in official material. You know, give them the metrics they need to go to the people upstairs and say, hey, the market is saying is literally telling us, give us this product. Let us make this product. Cause if it's just kind of like offhand conjecture, like ah, I heard somebody somewhere say that, that you can't base a multi-million dollar project on that. You have to have some kind of tangible data to work from. So put it out there, let them know. Cause the, 
the social media team is one of the most responsive and open and wonderfully engaging ones out there. So make the most of it. If you want to see something in Sonic, let them know politely, of course, and don't spam them, but you know, let them know, hi, I like this idea. I want to see more of this idea. Please give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me, please. Please. And we got a question here from Wolfsbane. Has there ever been a case where you finish writing an arc, then sit there and look at a Word slash Google Doc and think, damn, not sure what to do next? Or do you typically have point A to B to C figured out as you go? There have been times where I've wrapped up the storyline and gone, all right, now what? Huh. <laughs> what happens? Do you... Usually I know where I'm going afterwards and that's part of the frustration is that we can't, we can only produce so much so fast. And it's like, I want to get to the next story. I want to get to the next story. I want to get to the next story. I got to finish this one first. Oh wait, it hasn't been published yet. Fooey. And you know, you don't really want to plan too far ahead in case something happens and you have to completely rework everything that you've had on plate. So um, but when that happens, the best thing to do is just kind of walk away, put it down. Don't think about it for a minute, because if you think too hard on the subject, you kind of get mental tunnel vision on it. So, you know, walk away, let it percolate in the back of your head. And then, you know, some question will come up like, okay, so you wrapped it up there. What about this element? Is there a follow up to that? Or, Hey, you did this a storyline ago and that hasn't been touched on. Or it could be followed up in this way. Is there a story thread there? And then you work with that and go from there. Or it could just be a matter of, all right, what's something that I wanted to tell? What's a fun idea? We're at a clean breaking point, pick up and go in a new direction for a bit. And then from there, how did the two meet? Ooh, well, we did this here and now we're doing this here. And down the road, they meet up like this. And there you go for another five years that I can't write just yet because limitations of reality Arr. suck Arr. need the uh you gotta you need more lives ian you need to <laughs> you you need to like sure you will exhaust this life but then you will continue into the next one stronger than ever and uh yeah basically just become the doctor and regenerate over and over into different forms of course but still the same person <laughs> and then uh you will just uh Write Sonic forever. And then some people will hate you forever. Well, at least they'll have a hobby to look forward to. <laughs> Here's one from Ava Arctic. So we never got to see Wisps much in the old Archie Sonic comic. So I was curious if some of the old cast had a Wisp that they paired with, similar to the Diamond Cutters, what colors do you think they'd have? And heck, let's throw in some other characters, like maybe Mina, Jeffrey, or Nicole. Oh, that's fun. Um, you know what? This is one I would actually like to sit down and like seriously think about. Because I'd want it to be something conducive to the characters themselves. What is it that their trait has that can be either mirrored by the Wisp or made cooler by the Wisp? Or... Uh, juxtaposed with said wisp like bunny i think it's pretty clear you give her a cyan laser to go in her buster cannon and just let her shoot things and it's cool and she high fives the wisp after they blew up a bunch of badniks and they're having the time of their lives and that seems pretty straightforward that'd probably be a very similar thing for like yeah julie sue probably also be like a laser something like that um and then some of them, like, Anton was more known for his sword work, but you don't really have, like, a lot of cutting-esque wisps. So, you know, and if we're going to have fun and go back to his somewhat more jumpy incarnation, you know, get a wisp that kind of plays with that. So is there, like, a, I don't know, steadfast gray steel wisp that, you know, is constantly defending him? And it's just so tired of him jumping at every shadow, but he sticks with them because they're friends. Or does he have like a frenzy wisp that likes to go absolutely berserk? And no, 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 please do not be biting that. Please be coming back and be a good little wispy wispy. Hi. 
I mean, there's some fun to be had there. Um, could uh, like Rotor, which incarnation of Rotor? I mean, we're going talking like when he was hauling the what was that rock and rolling big mammoth jamming multifunctional Lee Field esque arm cannon shoulder mounted <laughs> blaster zooka thingy. I forgot about that. <laughs> like, give him a black bomb or an orange rocket or shoot anything <laughs> he's he, got a whisper every single barrel on that thing he only used that thing like what twice maybe once it, was he it showed it off once? once was it only once I, he, sh- uh, he showed it off man. once and never got to use it which was the punchline of the issue <sighs> and then the second time was during end game where okay. he point blank shot at robotnik and robotnik was like bitch please Zart, and blew it up <laughs> uh, yeah yeah now, I, I like this idea that Rotor's got like a barrel for every single one of these things <laughs> so that, you know, the big final fight is upon them. Everyone's been battered and thrown around. He struggles across the floor to pick up the smaller version of it. It unfolds. He takes aim at the boss robot and goes, all colors. <laughs> Make Eggman taste the rainbow. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> uh... What would Sally have? You know, what would be something that would help a tactical individual who's also a bit of a gymnast? Uh, a hover wisp, maybe? Maybe, but that seems so tame. I want to give her something a little cooler than that. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe the ivory lightning one? Allow her to, like, zip-zap up walls or such? Mm. That might be pretty cool. Um, and Nicole herself is a energy being like, could she potentially like straight up fusion dance with a wisp and gain their <laughs> abilities? I mean, they, they turn into light and energy and she herself is a hard light construct. Can she just straight up mega man these things? <laughs> Maybe she can go all colors. That would be cool too. <laughs> uh, Mina gets the rhythm wisp for the whole musical thing. That's the magenta one, right? I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. And Jeffrey, 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 Jeffrey. It even kind of matches her color scheme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe give him a pink spike. Rapid fire, pink spikety shots out of that. Nice. Crossbow gauntlet, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's some cool, <laughs> there's definitely some cool uh, combinations you can get. Like, uh, hmm. I'm seeing Elias in here. That's a good one. Mm, my boy. <laughs> he, he he needs something cool to go with the those completely stupid, but God, I love them stirrup blades. Well, you know. <laughs> hmm. He gets the uh, Crimson Eagle so that they're like, he's able to like swing them and fly at the same time. He becomes just this, this whirling bladed doom engine. <laughs> very nice very nice eagle <laughs> the king reigns on high scree <laughs> i like it i like it we got a question here from chaos sonic one while the anti-characters are never coming back i've accepted that but how would the game characters react to their anti-counterparts and vice versa like scourge and game sonic also, just for some added fun, how would the game characters also react to Fiona Fox and Dr. Finitivus? I think the game cast would be, they, they would have no context for this. So they wouldn't come with any of the baggage and that would leave all the onus on the baddies. Mm-hmm. Like Fiona's whole heel turn was because these people didn't show her or she perceived that these people didn't show her the respect and inclusiveness that she wanted. And now these, this new set of people have no idea who she is. They have no bias against her. And so she would, you know, go in to infiltrate the group and they're just treating her like one of the gang. Yeah. No problems here. Oh, you had a hard, you know, upbringing. Well, that's really sad, but you know, if you need anything, we're here for you. And she'd be like, I don't know how to handle this. That would be like the one instance where I could see her having a face turn out of all this like she could legit have a second chance with these people and she could go but wow she'd go she'd go she'd flip-flop you know 
twice. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Be, or you know, that's the tragedy of her story is that you know she actually finally gets this open door for a full reinvention, and she can't allow herself to trust and squanders the opportunity. Mm. You can go either way, whichever breaks more hearts. Um, <laughs> Finitivus would manipulate Knuckles. It'd be pretty standard stuff. That one's not too hard, but the one that would be just brutal would be Scourge because his entire being is based around being a knockoff. He has no identity outside of he is the anti-Sonic. His very inception is to be the antithesis of this one guy. And now the guy that he's supposed to be based off of has no idea who he is. He has no context for this guy. They have no beef. They have no history. They now don't even look alike. So they're everything that framed Scourge's concept of himself and his purpose in the cosmos goes out the window. And And he would react very violently to that. Yes, I was going to say, and he hates it. (laughs) He absolutely loathes it. The rest of the suppression squad, I could see it as, you know, they come in with no expectations or nobody's expecting thing, anything of them because they have no idea who these people are. So they seize upon the opportunity to blindside them, you know, ambush. We're going to conquer this world and rule it ourselves because we're jerks. And then they would summarily get their butts handed to them. But, Oh yeah. Um, it would be kind of interesting to see miles and tails interact given that tails at least game wise had adopted his or had embraced his intelligence and his skills more readily and more quickly than the comic incarnation. And miles would see that as encouraging, you know, here you are making the most of yourself. Now take the next step and take over, take control. Might makes right. And together we can rule. And now you're turning against me. Of course you are. You nabby, pamby little, and then they they would fight, and because that's what you do with evil twins—you fight them, and then they fight, always. But you know, a lot of everything about the anti-freedom fighters is built around the concept of them being the antithesis of the main cast. So once you remove that connection, they have nothing, and that would be more of an existential crisis for some than others. I think Amy and Rosie would be interesting. Amy, modern Amy, I think, would be as equally disturbed as comic Amy. Yeah. But would be more inclined to help to try to figure out, okay, what hurt you? What broke you? How do we get you back? Because this this, this ain't healthy. Yeah, I just am wondering if that would work. (laughs) Oh, no, absolutely not. No. Because the anti-characters by their very creation are broken things yes by the laws of the universe so right it's true but goodness the modern cast would try yeah bless their hearts i suppose here's a question from off not so much a question as a suggestion but are the chances you could convince mike pollock to sing duet anything you can do i can do better with you as starline i would i would be over the moon to work with a professional of that caliber to do something so silly, but uh, he, he is a very busy man. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, man, this has been a topical one. As are you. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know how much leeway he has in the use of the Eggman voice. I don't know what he could do or what he is comfortable with. So that is not something I would approach him to do out of respect. Uh, if he were to hear of this, I don't know. I don't think he listens to the show, but you know, if somebody said, Hey, Mike, it'd be funny. And he agreed. And he was like, Hey, let's set something up. I would not say no, but that's not something I'm going to bother him with. And that is not telling people to vicariously bother him because I won't do it. That's not what I'm saying. Do not bother the man about this silly idea. I'm just saying. If things happened to work out hypothetically in that scenario, I'd be cool with it. But I'm not going to put him on the spot for, you know, non-sanctioned, non-paid goof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And our last question for today's episode comes to us courtesy of Pen Dolce. Dr. Starline starts working at McDonald's after being defeated. How does that go? Poorly. He doesn't last an hour. <laughs> well, yeah, no, he would he would hate being managed by someone else, first of all. <laughs> the first thing he would do is look at management and say that he could do he could do so much better. <laughs> I mean, the first time the person orders the exercise meal, but they are angry because they got a regular Coke instead of Diet Coke. They're trying to watch their intake. Ooh, the words he would say. Yeah. I'm not even going to put those into the air. Just ooh, scathing, <laughs> brutal, face melting. Yikes. <laughs> At least he would maybe finally fix the McFlurry machine <laughs> permanently. <laughs> <laughs> permanently. To the management staff, I have taken the liberty of sabotaging the ice cream machine. It will work within certain parameters, but will randomly shut down at random points of the day, week, month, and year. Only I know the way to fix it, and I refuse to do so. Kindly die in a fire, Dr. Starline. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's his fault. It's all oh, his fault. Oh, no. Starline, you've done it again. You monster. I <laughs> uh, guess we'll just have to call Tails. He'll reverse engineer it. He'll figure it out. P.S. I'm leaking the ingredients to the Szechuan sauce to the internet. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. Wow. That, that could that very well might be the most evil thing he does i mean evil to the corporation of mcdonald's but it would be a <laughs> my, one of the most gracious and wonderful things he ever did for society it turns out it's just like one part ketchup two part barbecue sauce one part honey mustard oh of course it's it's definitely something stupid like that yeah <laughs> of course it is <sighs> starline's one good deed and he will be punished for it <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, we're done for today, but we'll be back on Wednesday with more delicious, delicious questions. Actually, I don't know how they taste. I haven't tried them, but who knows? Maybe they will be delicious. You'll just have to come back and find out. But before we go, we're going to give a big thank you to all the people who make this show possible. Thank you to Daniel H., Alex P., James K., John B., Jennifer R., Robotnik Holmes, Samuel P., Sam Cybercat, Mike B., Coupling Crew 128, DK, Din, Dave M., Andrew D., Auth, Salute Your Cat, Jay Frost, Scruffy Matt, Chris A., Sony, Hero of Light 13, John M., Noni, Ryan D., Jib, Don B., Yami M., Lee H.K., Lisa M., Chevelle, Blue Title Gamer, Fiona M., Ben W., Dick Dick, Final Neil, Xanderoni the Painter, Jonathan D., Fire Red XY, Nemark, Solar Stain, Dadler the Dalek, Godzilla, Chaos Universe, Sonic Legacy, Daniel B, Pedanti Cat, The Name is X, Dove, Red the Supernamic, Axis, Pendulce, Quaggle Gaggle, Chad, Ava Arctic, Jennifer H, Scurvy Pirate Hog, Les, Professor Rye, Preston M, Cameron H, Sapphire Scarlotta, Alphamont, or Yukin, Noah S, Chase L, Red W, Cordero Highwind, Joy the Sonic Fan, Awesome Cakester, Kimiko, Radry, Whew, Calum Q, Just a Mountain Soul, John the Real Waluigi, OMBD, Alex120, Ty H, Maddie H, In Zephyr, KJB, T Ranger, Crooker, and Tails, Dream Boaten, Mox, Lewis J, Derusable, Chaos Voltage, Four Sonic Fan, Finest Cacophony, Techno Cinema, The Marble Gardener, Arc Fighter, Goosey Tentai, Agent Kaz, Lacey M, Unlikely Veronica, Michael P, Spiral Warrior, Nondol, Rhythm Raccoon, The Cartoonist, Chaos Sonic 1, and not Patrick Starr. Big thank you to you. All right. We are done. We are done. You've been listening to The Bumblecast, a co-production of Bumble King Comics and the KNGI Network. Original theme music composed by Ken Coda Snyder. Remixed intro by T-Lopes. Find out more information along with podcast feeder links, mp3 downloads, and more at bumbleking.com and kngi.org.